This is Pastor Matt Harmless with Edgewood Sermon Audio. This is sermon number 65 from the Gospel according to Luke. In this sermon, I'll be looking at Luke chapter 11, focusing on verses 9 through 13. I want to begin with some introductory thoughts. Uh, First off, if you can't tell by my voice, I'm a little sick. I don't have COVID. I checked. Okay. Um, I'm praying that I'll be able to make it through without falling into some kind of coughing spree. Um, my wife felt I should have called in backup, but I'm a stubborn person. And I said, no, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to greet you with the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, no. I, I, I will keep my distance. Um, I got I got two bags of them up here. <laughs> I've been popping them. Ricola. Um, all right, so you may notice here, I got a quote up here. If you were here last week, I was talking about prayer. And I felt like as I was working through that, there was a certain level of transparency that I was offering to you based on my own struggles with praying. If you didn't hear that message, I hope you... Take a chance to listen to it. Um, We have it online. Uh, I found this quote this week. J.C. Ryle says, It is far more easy to begin a habit of prayer than to keep it up. And if you remember last week, I was like, Let's do this, guys. We've got to pray. Let's let's get back into this. And you may hear this. This may resonate with you a little bit. Thousands take up a habit of praying for a little season. After some special mercy, so like God has done something, man, you you feel motivated. Or, or, uh, a special affliction, say like something's working on you and like you feel this and then little by little, what happens? We become cold at it and at last lay it aside. Let me ask you, have I ever done that with this prayer thing before? Yeah. Yeah. You hear another sermon about it? Like, yeah. Let us resist that feeling, J.C. Ryle says. Whenever we feel it rising within us, let us resolve by God's grace that however poor and feeble our prayers may seem to be, that we will pray on. I wanted to share that with you to get us started, that no matter how poor and feeble you feel like your prayers may seem to be to you, to others, pray on. I'm going to go back to three weeks ago, actually, we, we encountered this passage. We started Luke chapter 11. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and he goes into what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. Luke's version says, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And I'm hoping that from that, I felt like some of you were like, yeah, th- th- this praying thing, we can do this. We can pray. And our Savior has taught us how to do that. But Jesus didn't end his uh, response there. He went on to Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 8, and he says this next. He tells this little story. So in the, the response to the question, teach us to pray, he gives them an example prayer. These are the things you could say, but he goes deeper than that. Not just what you say, but there's other things at play here when you pray. And so he tells them this story. And he said to them, which of you has a friend uh, uh, who will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves. And a friend of mine, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up or give you, and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up. And give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And last week, I hope that this sunk in, this sunk in with me, this word impudence, this is not meant, we're not to compare the guy in the house to God. God is not like this guy that's like, I'm like, is God ever sleeping, laying down? Is he ever, no, right? That we're not to compare that guy to God. God, we're, God we're going to see in the, the verses today, is greater. That's a lesser example. God is greater than that. But we are to compare. This is how we ought to be coming to Christ with this, what is translated as impudence or boldness, bold shamelessness is what the word means. 
I was struck in my heart at my lack of bold shamelessness in prayer. And I shared with you some of the reasons why I struggle with that. And I think one of them I told you specifically is that, honestly, I have this great trust of who God is and all that he's going to do. I'm convinced everything he's going to do is going to be glorious. And so there's a part of me that says, what, what am I asking him for stuff for? That was a confession. Is that wrong of me to do that? Yes. God has called me to come to him and pray and bring these requests to him. So last week, while I was working on that, there was more to this passage. And you may remember that I told you I split it in half. And one of the reasons why I split it in half is because I knew what was coming next, and I didn't want to talk about it. And I was kind of happy that I was sick because, like, man, maybe I should have just not talked about it. Let Paul preach this week. But no, here I am. There's two reasons why this next portion I have a hard time, difficult time, and frankly, I'm just going to be honest with you, I don't, there's a, there's a real part of me right now that goes, I don't even want to talk about this, if I'm going to be honest with you. But it's, it's, there's a pressing of the spirit of my life to say, Matt, you have dedicated yourself, this church is dedicated to with you. We're arm in arm saying, we're going to work through the word. And Matt, it doesn't matter if you get to something you don't want to talk about or don't like to talk about or you find it difficult to talk about. That's the word. So let me give you my reasons why I struggle with this, though. Reason number one, what's going to come up next, it's very clear. I'm going to tell you right now. Here, here, I'm just going to tell you right now. What Jesus says next is basically God answers prayer. He wants to. He's a good God that answers prayer. So you should be praying. That's what it's going to tell us. But I struggle because, number one, my experience, I'm going to be honest with you, it sure seems like sometimes there's been times where I've prayed and he didn't answer. Now, we have a little, we have a little exit door, like an emergency exit, anytime that happens, where we go, oh, well, the answer must have been no, which is true. But I found quite often, especially early in my Christian walk, I, I'm just, this is, this is Matt being totally honest with you. I found, I'm going to be, okay, I'm going to go even a further honesty here. I used to have times where I, I'm, and this is when we lived in Wisconsin, I used to have times where I was like, I don't even want to ask because it seems like, now I never would have said this out loud to anybody, but there was times where I was like, man, it seems like if, like things are going pretty smooth, but then if I just go, Lord, could you do this? It usually seems like the exact opposite happens. I'm, I'm being honest with you. There's times where I felt like, like I, I'm, a, I'm good God with whatever you're doing, but then every once in a while I'm like, okay, I'm going to venture into this world of prayer. And every once in a while when I did that, I was like, Lord, bring my request to you. And there's, I can't tell you how many times it seemed like in my head that the opposite happened. I will also confess to you that 90% of the times had something to do with my car breaking down, which I've talked about before. <laughs> Love my car work. I mean, that would be the day. The one time I thought, hey, I'm going to pray that my car may, that'd be the day that it broke down. And I, I, I had within my heart conversations with God. I was like, why, why did I even ask? Lord, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? It sure seems like, and so I'm going to be honest with you. What's going to be said next is tough for me because I've had times in my life, and, and even, even now there's, there's times where I'm like, it sure seems like, in fact, I would not be shocked if almost every single one of us has at least one thing that you cried out desperately to God for. And he didn't do anything. Seemingly so. Now, I want to ask you, if you're willing to raise your hand, if you say, that's me. I've had times, almost everybody in this room, and some of the people that didn't raise their hand were going like this. Which brings me to the second reason why I have a hard time preaching about what he's getting ready to say next. It feels like if I just, I'm going to say, God, what your word says, it feels a little bit like I'm putting God on the line. I'm not putting myself on the line, not directly, but I am putting him on the line. If I get up here and tell you that God will answer those who pray, and then you pray and he doesn't answer, 
I get worried that I risk diminishing your faith. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because there have been things that you have cried out to God for and you, when God did not answer the way you wanted him to or just seemed like he was absolutely silent, your faith was somewhat diminished. Now, I know that there's a few of you in here that have been Christians for a really long time and you're like, not me. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. I think there's a lot of us that if we're really honest, there's been times where we cried out to God, he didn't answer there's, there's a psychological thing that goes on. Um, they've done studies. You know, if, if I had a box here, right, and there was a red button on it, and I pushed the red button, and candy popped out, right? Oh, hey, what might I do again? Push the button again. Candy pops out. Oh, candy. Push the button again. Candy pops out. Now, let's say I did that 50 times in a row over the next two months. And then one time I go, I push the red button. Instead of getting candy... It electrocutes me. <laughs> right? Now, you know what? You know what's an interesting thing about most of us? We don't go to pushing that button again. Some of us might be like, forget it. The candy's not worth it. I'm not even going to risk it again. That's how many of us have been with our prayer lives. Cry out to God, he answers. Cry out to God, he answers. Cry out to God, he answers. Cry out to God one time, and it seems like instead of giving us what we want, he electrocutes us. And we're a little bit less hesitant to push the button. Diminished faith. We, all, we have all kinds of little Christian exit doors, don't we? Well, the answer was no, or this is, or not yet, or we have all these things. And there's so much truth to all those things, but I can't help when I come to this passage and go, yet it still is going to say, God is a good God who hears and answers prayer. Maybe, maybe I think, I think there's something in this text, and the text we're going to focus on is one you've probably heard a hundred times. In fact, some of you may even have it in pretty little, you know, signs hanging on your wall, right? But I think there's something here that might, and I'm going to put it this way, I've been wrestling with it for the, the last, well, actually more than a week because this is the week before that I really started. I think, I used to think it was a progression. We talked about this last Thursday. It's less as much of a progression of thought as it is a, you know what I mean by facets of something? Multifaceted. Like, have you ever seen a jewel that has multiple surfaces on it and it's like you turn it this way and you turn it that way? There's multiple facets to that one thing. Or we could talk about this. I think that we're going to see in this text there's, there's a multidimensional element to what prayer ought to be. And maybe one of the issues of this, I asked, he didn't answer, is that we've dwelt in a one-dimensional level of prayer. A one-faceted element of prayer. I think there's something more here. So honestly, I'm sharing with you this morning what I've pulled from this, wrestled with, grappled with. I pulled in Smart Paul Thursday, like, man, I, this is where I'm, I brought my commentary. So what do you think about this, right? And just wrestled with this. So let's go ahead. I got an idea. Before I read the text, should we pray? Let's do this. There's, there's some prayers that I don't have a problem praying because I absolutely 100% know God will answer. When two or more are gathered together in his name, what does it say? He's there. So I'm, I want to pray that God will be present, a present reality this morning. That's an easy one for me to pray because he says he'll do it anyway. But let's ask for that together. Heavenly Father, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that Jesus, when he was on this earth, taught to his disciples about prayer. Lord, I would ask this morning as we examine this verse that you would be a very present reality with us. Lord, God, I pray that you would be here in this room with us, guiding every single aspect of what is about ready to happen in this presenting of Scripture and our digesting the Scripture and then attempting to apply the Scripture to our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Here's that verse. Who's heard this verse before? 
Nice and high. You've heard or read this verse before. I think almost every hand in the room went up. I tell you, who has this on a pretty sign in their house? Anybody? At one point, point. I'm sure we did, right? This is a great one. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. These ideas are repeated in the very next verse, and I think the re- repetition of them drives home not just their importance, but their validity, that this is accurate. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, this whole thing started with that I tell you at the beginning, which I mentioned last week. Uh, Luke includes this. Jesus says this. Luke always writes, jots this down. When Jesus is getting ready to say, he's going to d- describe, give an explanation of what a teaching prior to this means. So he's saying, you're, gonna, you're applying these things, how to pray. This is what it's about. There's something going on in here. One commentator says, the I say to you indicates that Jesus is now applying the parable and developing the response that should emerge from it. So if we take that parable that we learned last week and we go from there, this is what ought to be our response. And there are three parts to this, as you can see. Let's take a look at the first one, and I'm going to call it the first facet or dimension. Okay? Ask. I think you guys know what this word means. Ask. It's a word, it's in the present imperative, which means we could think of it as asking. Like asking, keep on asking. So it's not just a one-time ask, it's asking. Right? I started it, I'm still doing it. Asking. And you will receive, is what it says. It will be given to you, or those who ask, receive. Now in that first verse there, verse 9 that we're going to see a, a, a flip-flop of something. Notice this first one here. Ask, it will be given to you. Now, if something is given to you, now, do you, have you guys ever heard of the thought of an active verb versus a passive verb? Okay? Passive would be, like, if I hand something to my wife, she's not really doing anything. If I just sit this on her lap, she hasn't done anything. Oh, I just got my germs on you. Um, right? She didn't do anything. If I just hold this out and I say, come get this, and she gets up and walks over and grabs it, that's, that's, she's actively participating in what's happening, right? Come get this. This is, this is passive. It will be given to you. You asked, right? But the result is completely passive. God does the giving. Does that make sense? Okay. We're all good? Everybody good still? Passive. We receive. What do you want to ask God for? I mean, let's, let's be honest, because this is where this starts to go in our heads. I mean, this is a great study, Matt, but you know, honestly, if I go back to what I was struggling with earlier, there's probably some stuff right now that you go, I would love to be able to just ask God for this, and he just gave it to me. Matt, you don't have any idea how much I wish this was true. Well, but it is true, Matt. Do you really believe that? Do you believe the things you want, if you just went to God and asked, he would give them to you? Well, to be honest, Matt, I don't because there's been some stuff I've asked for and he didn't, right? What do we do with that? Can we stare into the face of God and say, Lord, help me understand this. There's something I'm missing because I believe that your word is true, but I don't know if I believe that's true. Does that make sense? I know. I know some of you are like, I would dare not even say that out loud. you got other issues then, right? Because you, you do know God can read your mind, right? Okay. You can't fool him. It's not like you go, God, that's not true. I trust you totally. You say, that Matt, he didn't know what he's talking about. No, ah, it's true, Lord. It, okay. Paul, the apostle, writes in Philippians, he says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And there it is. Let your requests be made known to God. Maybe on your little notes for the sermon, would you dare to write down the thing that you want to ask him for?
I struggle with it because, as I told you before, there's been times in my life where I felt like, I don't even want to ask because I don't want to be disappointed. Some of you have things that you've been asking God for for 20, 30 years. and still haven't got it. Can we be honest in this room together and say, that's a reality. Again, I think there's something to, to I think we have to mine, dig in a little bit to this verse to help us understand. There must be, the, the, the thing that's off, I don't believe is God. It's, I don't think it's his word. There must be something off. Where, where, what's the last option? With me. I must be seeing something not quite accurately, or this, I would be, because there's no way, I know that God is true. Let God be true in every man a liar. So let's take a look at the next word. I, I found, I'm going to be honest with you, I found a glimmer of hope in my prayer life based on the next word. Seek. I used to look at this passage as like it was just saying three ways to pray, three, just pray. If you do this, 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 is all basically saying the same thing. I don't think it is. I think it's, again, I don't think it's a progression necessarily. There is some feel of a progression. We're going to build on top of just that ask, add a little bit more to it. And some of us, honestly, let's, let's start right now. We've had one-dimensional prayers. In fact, I would say, if I might dare to say, most of the time, the ones that are, when we ask and we don't receive, it was a one-dimensional prayer. That's basically all that happened. We may have thrown in there a lot of, you know, God, you're awesome and you're glorious and let's throw some praises in there and I'll wait, let's throw some I'm sorry's in here and everything else. But in the depths of your heart, you had one thing on your mind. I want this. He could give it to me. I'm going to ask him for it. I think that many of us, it's been one-dimensional. And many of those ones, I can say that for myself. I can't say that for anybody else in this room. It, when I go back and I examine all those times where it was like I asked and he said he didn't do it, like it was just like nothing happened, I would say most likely every single one of those was just a one-dimensional, one-faceted prayer. There was one thing on my mind, I want what I want, give it to me. This word seek helped me. One of the ways that you can understand a verse or understand a word is by looking how it's used. Now, the Old Testament um, was written in Hebrew, Aramaic. It was translated into Greek, this same Greek that we have the New Testament written to. When it was translated, so one of the things you can do is you can look at Old Testament words. Even though they were originally written in Hebrew, you look at what Greek words are used. And so the Greek word that you see here for seek, you can find in the Old Testament's Greek translation. And it helps you understand maybe what this seeking is all about. In fact, almost all of the passages that we look at that talk about this idea of seek, I would say almost every single one of them has something to do with seeking the Lord, seeking his will. There ought to be a facet in our prayer of this, what I'm bringing to you, where I'm also saying, I, I want to know what your will is. I want to understand you better. This is the greater thing. I, I, this is what I'd love to have, but there's something else going on, I, even in my asking for this. And God promises those who seek him will find him. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I know that for myself, many of my one-dimensional prayers had nothing to do with me trying to find God. And you know what? Let's be honest. Sometimes those one-dimensional prayers, I don't, I'm not say, standing up here saying I felt bad about it because there's been some things that were very one-dimensional, but they were really good things that I really wanted and I felt like was really good. People living. People coming to Christ. I'm not talking about, Lord, I want a red Corvette. I was talking about, I mean, there's been times where I was like, Lord, could you save this person? I want them to come to know you. 
Could you intervene and save them? And, but to be honest with you, it was still one-dimensional. Seek the Lord. Maybe one of the things that can help is to expand our prayer, multifaceted prayer. You're going to, in fact, let me just jump ahead here. Because it says you will find, this is an active verb instead of a passive. Remember the first one? Ask, you receive. It just some, it happens to you. You're receiving it. This one is an active verb. Did I say that backwards? Last one's passive. This one's active. This is one where in the finding, you're doing something. Right? If you're seeking God in the finding, so this verb is a verb that includes some action. You're, you're, you've do, you're doing something in this process. I think this could very much look like this. Lord, I'm praying for this, but then reading his word. I think just honestly just seeking him, getting on your knees and saying, Lord, this is what I want, but before I pray about it any longer, Lord, would you reveal yourself to me, Lord? I want to know you most of all. God, help me to see you in all of these things. Help me to see who you are, the big grand picture of this universe. Help me to see that more than anything else, Lord. I want to know you. Lord, you know that I want this. Lord, in, in my finite mind, that's good. And it should happen. And I can't understand why that's not in your will to have it happen right now, today. But a seeking person in prayer doesn't end there. They say, but Lord, I want to see you in this. I want to I see this through you. You see this in the way Jesus prays. He's in the garden. I mentioned this last week, but think about this again. He's in the garden, and he prays. It says, going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed. My father, if it's possible. Father, look through the books again. Is there any other way to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish that doesn't involve me suffering what I'm about ready to suffer? Right? Recalculate. Reconfigure. One more time. I do not want this. But, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, do you see those things playing out in there? I really want this. This seems, me suffering is bad. Now, we can look at his story and we can see, I'm so glad he did because that was really good for us. Right? Ultimately, it was good even for him because in accomplishing his father's will, he now stands at the right hand of the father in glory. But in this moment in time, Jesus himself said, is there any other way? It's got to be another way. Some of you know this prayer very well. Lord, would you give health here? Would you save this person here? Would you restore this situation here? Lord, it looks good to me. I, I can't ma imagine. Lord, not my will, yours be done. And you seek God's face in this. Jesus didn't stop here. He goes back to his disciples, talks to them for a little bit. And he did, did he just do this one time? No, he did it again. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. You see a little bit of a progression in the way he asks it here, don't you? There's almost like this realization, No, this is your will. Let your will be done through me. He actually goes a third time after this, and the text says in Matthew that he just says, basically comes back and says the same thing again. If it's possible, Lord. I would encourage you to have a multifaceted prayer life. This many times is what it looks like. Now, there's some things we can say absolutely, 100%. I know exactly what is the right thing to pray for. When we earlier, we prayed, God, be with us in this room. I don't have any hesitancy. I can say that 100% positive, confident. God's going to answer that prayer. But I'm going to be honest with you. 
I wish I had some kind of foresight, but I don't. There's so many things, I have no idea what's going to happen. And I see what I think is the good thing, and I'm probably missing it most of the time. But I think that we find captured in here our heart's attitude in prayer. We, we're asking, but at the same time, we're also seeking that we may find what the Lord's will is in these things. There's a third facet here, and this one is going to go back to passive. He says, knock. The Greek word for knock means knock. <laughs> what, what, what are, when you think, if somebody's knocking, what are they wanting? They want to let in. And, and in fact, if you're knocking, your, your hope is that the person will let you in to their presence. You're, you're hoping to get inside. And, and it's not, and this is why it ends up being passive, because when you knock, yeah, you say, yeah, but I, I did the knocking, yeah, but the, the result is completely on the person on the inside. You can't unlock the door, you can't turn the handle, if it's locked, if it's shut, you can't get it. In fact, the person that knocks is admitting, I can't open this door, I'm not even going to try, I'm depending on this person on the side to open it up to me. And this is exactly what you see in this, and he says, knock, and Jesus says, it will be opened to you. Knock, and it will be open to you. Daryl Bach, one of my commentators, put it this way. says, the point is not that one gets exactly and always what one asks for. We already know that, don't we? You gotta, don't got to tell us that, Daryl Bach. Right? But that God supplies graciously in terms of the request. God is ready to give, so ask. The disciple... Aware of personal need, asks earnestly, seeks the answer, and brings the request directly to God. Shamelessly bold. This text goes on to say this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, Instead of a fish, give him a serpent. My dad might have done that. I don't know. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. What, what, what father, now, but in all seriousness, what father, if you're asking for something good, what father would give something hurtful or harmful in its place? And Jesus says, if you then, who are evil, well, we're not, well, we are, we're evil, compared to our great heavenly father, who is all goodness. If you then who are evil, if you, if you evil people know how to give, I mean, you guys know how to give good gifts, don't you? I know how to. Some of you are like, I don't do it very often, but I know how. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Well, I can only think it must be exponentially more because he's exponentially better than me. He's exponentially more gooder than me. <laughs> I know how to give good gifts. My wife is a great gift giver. God, how much more so is he going to do this? This feels a little bit, though, the way this ends. Have you guys ever heard of a bait and switch? Right? bait and switch like I was expecting this verse to end with if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give you good gifts is that what it says a bait and switch this is a lousy example imagine if somebody came up to me this would get me really excited someone came to me and said there is a pot machine down in the basement of this building it doesn't you don't need quarters you just does it have diet mountain dew yeah pot machine doesn't take quarters i'm going on down there like what what a great thing pot machine i could just push i don't need any quarters let's say i get down there and i push it and out comes cough syrup <laughs> now i might need that right now but I'm going to be honest with you. There would be a little bit of me that's like, uh, okay, tricky, tricky, tricky. 
And some of us feel a little bit like that when we read this verse, if you're to be honest. Now, some of you are like, no, Lord, I don't, I don't feel that way at all. I'm sorry. Remember, he can read your thoughts. I want life, health, salvation, staining grace, resolution to the situation. And God says, come and ask. Okay. We get up there and he goes, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And some of us feel like a little bit, you know, that's a trick. Same feeling you get when your mom's like, I made you some good cookies, and you come and you find out they're healthy cookies. Raisins. Oh, yeah, right? right. I got a snack for you. Oh, yay. Here you go, raisins. Oh, come on, mom. Stupid raisins. I was expecting a ding-dong. Remember the old ding-dongs and the aluminum foil wrapping? Okay, that's, that's off topic. They're, they're not as good anymore. You young people have no idea what you're missing out on. When they used to wrap those ding-dongs in aluminum foil and you just like unwrap, that, there was something magical. Back to the sermon. Sorry. But some of that's what we feel like. Honestly, if you're honest, I think, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I feel that way a little bit sometimes when I read this. When I'm thinking very one-dimensionally, there are sometimes I read this and I go, oh, tricky, tricky one, Lord, you almost got me. You're going to give me anything I ask for as long as I ask for the Holy Spirit. I think that one of the benefits of going this route of what Jesus says is found in Romans 8, 26 and 27. Oop, I don't think I have that one up there. Oh, shoot. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this. I'm going to read it to you. There's a few other verses I'm going to put up here that I, I hope you'll see. Um, I may have you get your Bibles out for this. Romans 8, 26 and 27 like, says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Some of you are familiar with this verse. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Well, suddenly the Spirit thing sounds a little bit better because I may not know how to pray or what specifically to ask for that's in accord with God's will as I seek his will. There's still some questions I have. Well, Lord, I don't know what's best. I think this is best, but you know what's best. How do I get this? The Spirit is interceding. The Spirit intercedes for you. So when you come to God in prayer and you're like, Lord, this is what I want. It's not that you have not gotten what was requested. It's that the Spirit has interceded for you on your behalf so that the gift you get is good. And what God gives is good. He who searches hearts knows what is in, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Hmm. All right, so here it goes. Are you ready to put God on the line? First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 say this. This is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. You may need to look that one up. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. There's a confidence. And what is our confidence? This is the confidence that we have toward God, toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. There's a few more passages here I want to share with you, but I want to give you a little illustration. Um, been trying to work through this process in my head because, I, again, I struggle with, Lord, you're going to do what you're going to do. 
Let me ask you a question. When it, when it rains, I think I had this picture up next. When, it, when God brings rain, what is his normal means of bringing rain that's up in the sky? Clouds. There's a few passages here I'm going to share with you that you're going to see. You're going to start to get a glimpse of, yeah, God is sovereign, but there's a part that our prayers are playing into what he is going to do. The same way clouds bring rain. Could God bring rain without the clouds? Yeah. But what is this normal, typical way of doing rain? Through clouds. When you're hungry, what is one of the typical ways that that is satisfied? Eating some food. Right? Could God satisfy your hunger without eating any food? Sure. But the typical way that we ask... Lord, satisfy is through, and then is through actual means. How about a paycheck? Right, old school. Remember, right? When you're wanting a paycheck, do you have? Are there people who don't work and get a paycheck? Yeah. That happens, doesn't it? But many times, the typical means of an honorable paycheck is through a hard day's work. Right? I think that one of the things we need to keep in mind is that whatever God is going to do, let me just venture a thought. Maybe the very reason why you feel motivated as you're asking for things but seeking His will and then knocking on the door, Lord, I want to enter into your presence. Maybe the very reason why you have been spurred on to even ask about something is because God is going to do that. And he's going to do it by his typical means, through his people praying. I want to share a couple other verses with you. Um, I'm going to ask you, because we're almost done here, I'm going to ask you, though, to, if you have a Bible, to get it out. I purposely did not put these in here because I wanted you to look at them. The first one is Romans 15.30. Romans 15.30. Yeah, there's Bibles under the seats. If you don't have one with you, there's Bibles under the seats in front of you, you most of them. Roman, or some of you got your apps out. That Bible app out. Romans 15.30. Could I have somebody read this one for me? Would somebody raise their hand just volunteer read Romans 15.30 for me? Andrew? Okay, so I wanted to have this one first because Paul the Apostle here is crying out. He says, I, I'm, I'm asking you guys to strive together with me in prayer. And he says it on his behalf. This is something that is important to Paul. I'm Honestly, I'm, this is one of the things I've, I've asked and I will continue to ask this church, strive together with me as we attempt to pray. Okay. But there's a little hint there that this is an important thing when he says, on my behalf. Uh, let's have somebody look up Philippians 1.19. And if you find it, Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. If you find it, raise your hand, and I'm going to have you read this one to me. Philippians 1.19. Anybody find it? Oh, here we go over here. Mark. Okay, now think about that one for a second. It says, I know that, okay, now, when Paul is writing the book of Philippians, does anybody know where Paul was at? Jail. And so he, he ends there, but he's asking for prayer for his deliverance. And notice that he says, for I know that through, and he lists two things that is going to bring about that deliverance. Through your prayers and the help of the Spirit by, of Jesus Christ. This will, so just like rain coming through clouds, his deliverance is going to come through the help of the Spirit and through prayer, right? So I might look up Philemon, verse 22. It's just one chapter, so just Philemon 22. Philemon 22. 
Paul the Apostle wrote to a guy named Philemon. Verse 22 is one of the things he says in closing. Anybody find that one yet? Philemon, verse 22. Anybody got it? Want to volunteer to read it? Anybody, anybody, anybody? Todd? At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. So he's like, hey, prepare a guest room. I'm hoping that I will be graciously given to you, that God's going to work this thing out. But did you hear what he said? That through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Okay? Last one, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. Lucinda? You also must help us by prayer so that many who will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us with the prayers of many. Mm. The first part of that I love it says, You also must help us by prayer. Paul writes, There's something important. This is God's means of bringing about what he's going to do. There's, I lied, there's one more verse. Um, now this last one, oh, some of you are not going to be happy with what I'm getting ready to do. This is not the last, I'm, I'm telling you, this feels to me like I've done something. This is what it feels to me like. I've laid out, i put God on the line. He answers prayer, he's good and he will answer prayer. I've, I hopefully, I think, at least for myself, I've, my mind has opened up a little bit to what this praying looks like, this multifaceted prayer of asking, seeking Right, and that we're also knocking, Lord. I want right into Your presence through all these things. That I'm, I'm going for this multifaceted element of prayer, and I feel like I've laid that out. And I threw, then, then what I do? I just threw some verses out at you that say, "Hey, this is an important thing." And I'm gonna tell you right now, this will not conclude yet. Luke chapter, what chapter are we in? Eleven. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. So I'm asking you, man, we're going we're gonna to try to hold on from now to chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 says this. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So that part of it goes, yeah, but I, I've been trying to lose it. Hey, there's a story coming. Chapter 18. Okay, so you guys have to stay with me from now till chapter 18. Can you do that? Yeah, I know. I mean, we're only in the year, in the year 2050. All right, guys, we made it. Um, honestly, that, it's, that's coming. This, this, without losing heart, that's coming. There, Jesus is not done teaching his disciples how to pray. This is like, let's get started on this thing. And right, I'm hoping, this is honestly what I'm hoping. I'm, I'm shooting for a long game here. I'm hoping that when we get to chapter 18, it's right about the time we're like, I'm starting to lose heart. I'm starting to lose, I've been praying. I'm starting to lose heart again. That we're going to get to this, and Jesus is going to say, hey, here. So I'm asking you to join with me in prayer. And Can you hold on until chapter 18? Now, final thing. I would like to encourage you to start asking God. If you've stopped, start again. Okay? Specifically, let's, let's talk about this one. I know that there's some of you in this room that have people that you love. You want to see them come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Some of you for 20 some years. And even though you do it still, there's a little bit of you that snuck in that says, I may not get it. I want to encourage you to come back at this again and say, Lord, I'm going to start asking for this again. You know what? It may be, you may find that 
one of the reasons why he has not answered yet is to do exactly what we needed to get done today, to grow in that prayer where we're not praying one-dimensionally. Some of you have people in your life that that's the kind of relationship you have. Is that a good one? That when it's one-dimensional, all they do is come to you and ask for stuff? Is that a good relationship? No. In fact, you may find that you got somebody in your life that's like that. You may find that sometimes they ask you for stuff that you go, that is the dumbest request I've ever heard. You should not be asking for that. Right? That's ridiculous. Why would you even ask me for that? You don't know me at all, do you? But some of us, that's how we've been praying. So I want to encourage you from now to chapter 18. Let's delve back into this prayer thing and say, Lord, we want to not just end with the ask, but we want to start with the ask and work our way deeper to know who you are and to enter, hopefully, into your very presence. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I would ask now that you would, by your great grace for us, Open up our minds and our hearts to learn from our master how to pray. Lord, I ask now that you would grant us that grace that is necessary to come to you. Lord, I would ask that as we present these requests to you, Lord, that you would keep your word and answer. Lord, I would ask that you would help us to seek your will in our very prayers. And I ask, Lord, that you'd help us to seek ultimately to enter into your very presence when we get on our knees to pray to you. That maybe some of us have been one-dimensional with you for too long. And maybe you haven't given us some of the things we've asked for simply because you're inviting us into something even greater. Lord, help us to see what that is and follow after you, follow diligently after you to strive together. Lord, I would ask now as well for those in this room whose faith has been diminished because of what seemed like a request that you denied. Lord, I would ask that you would open up our minds to understand your will in a way that maybe we never have before that we would see that you did answer and gave us yourself i pray this now in christ's name amen Thank you for listening to this sermon if you have any questions comments or concerns please feel free to contact edgewood church at 217-806-0527 or email info at edgewood-danville.org.